I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. We are all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. Loops. (laughs) Oh, man. This episode. This episode got jokes. This episode got jokes. This episode got damn. I know. Just, oof. This for me, has been the most stressful episode of the season. Oh my God, I know. It was so stressful. And, you know, I'm watching it alone in my apartment. The only thing that was, because I knew that you had watched it ahead of me. Mm -hmm. So I was able, like, I stopped the episode to text you (laughs) because I was so stressed out. But because, I mean, I don't know, like the first two, like, uh, you know, the stuff in the colonies wasn't super, str- like, it's upsetting, but it wasn't yeah. stressful. Yeah. The stuff with Offred, once she got to the Boston Globe building, it was like, okay, like, all right, so we've come to some kind of stasis. Which is so funny, because I said that same thing to Mitch. I'm like, I'm kind of surprised that last episode, like, wasn't that brutal. He's like, are you kidding me? Someone peeled their own fingernail off. They fucking crucified Marissa Tomei. I'm like, yeah, but, like, in The Handmaid's Tale, like, yeah. none of that stuff is that scary. That's like a D minus for brutality. Like it's it's a lot to handle, but it's like I wasn't afraid for people. Yeah, they did like emotional brutality via the flashbacks. Yeah, but, and um, I mean, and and this episode, this episode is much more. Where the fuck are we going? It lures and how you, are we getting there? It lures you into such a false sense of security, and then it's like, oh no. Well, and it's not because the sense of security that you get lasts about five seconds. I know. Okay, well, we're not there yet. <laughs> we're jumping way, way ahead. This is Handmaid's Tale, episode three, and it's called Baggage. Baggage. Let's- like the movie Excess Baggage, <laughs> starring Alicia Silverstone and Benicio Del Toro. What, what? I'm sure that's what it's a reference to. Where are my old-ass millennial girls at? <laughs> Slash my young-ass Gen X girls. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we unpack this episode title? Uh, or should I just throw my phone on the you floor? You should throw your phone on the floor and think about what you've done. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we start at the beginning. Okay. A very good place to start. <laughs> and June is doing a Rocky montage. I know. To go by Santa Gold. Which I thought was MIA. Yeah. Which it's not. But unfortunately, I, I always think everything's MIA. And I kind of like this because I wrote, I fucking love bottle survival stories. And mm-hmm. I really do. I love it when you have to be in a weird location for a long period of time and you kind of make do in that weird situation. Like she's doing. Like the hatchet. Yes. Like the island of the blue dolphins. Like the my side of a mountain. Yep. Except like for the, that's different because he chose to be there. But whatever. Uh, like the K. That's a good one. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So a lot, of, a lot of good ones out there. I love that kind of stuff. And just to seeing her like up in the gym working on her fitness, even in this holding pattern is really cool and see like what how does she pass her time? And this is great because it's such a great device of having her being stuck in this newspaper office because it's a sneaky way to stick in the exposition mm-hmm. of the world building of how did the newspapers react? Yeah. She can read back issues. And we find out that she's been in this building for two months. Yeah. I will say, I felt like there were some real clunky lines in this episode. Oh, yeah? Specifically in the voiceovers. Oh. I don't think we're quite there yet. Okay. There's one in particular where I just was like, oh, my fucking God. So she's running in the office past the shrine. And Um. she has a very brief flash to her mom. Mm -hmm. And I forget exactly what it is at the very beginning of this episode, but it's just, it's the briefest of flashes of Cherry Jones. 
I think you're skipping ahead too far. I just wrote mother. Because, well, the next... that I don't think that happens until later. Because it's when she takes her to the protest. But no, I'm, this is like a split second oh, okay. shot of her. Like, this is okay. just like this very brief flash. Huh. Okay. All I know is I wrote mother in all caps. <laughs> Maybe so, you were thinking of the movie mother. Uh, no, I definitely was not <laughs> thinking of the movie mother. Really? Because I think about that every day. That's weird because, well, and again, that's a movie where I came out of it and I said to Amy, I was like, why was everybody so upset? And she was like, Kelly, they ate a baby. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, big deal. Who cares? <laughs> oh, mother exclamation point spoiler <laughs> yeah look either you've seen mother or you haven't seen mother like if you've seen it i really want to talk about it <laughs> yeah so that's an interesting cameo of one cherry jones who gets a lot of play in this episode i'm so mm-hmm. excited but the next scene we go from june running to moira running in canada and i wrote big ups to people who run in cold weather because i hate running and it's beautiful here all the time big ups to people who run yeah big ups to anybody who runs recreationally i do and i think often i'm like kelly if you're ever in like a dystopian situation oh, I would die. or if you were traded in marriage to an ogre as in the movie uh tale of tales well that too you know you you need to run uh yeah. and i am not a good runner but i would die i loved the symmetry in the shot composition here because we saw june running past her shrine and kind of setting things up i i'm i'm a little scared because she's got these candles burning all the time and i'm like it's a it's a newspaper factory it's a fire hazard very flammable but moira is running past the victims of gilead memorial Mm -hmm. in little america Mm -hmm. so they're both you know they're still kind of jogging together like they used to back in the pre-gilead days before their assets were frozen then moira goes to the apartment and mutie's back i think you mean shh oh shh i forgot that's what we call her name shh so shh who is the former handmaid who doesn't speak or speaks only intermittently who luke got wrapped up with yeah uh, well, they were the only two survivors of the group that was trying to escape. Right. So they all live together in an apartment. Yeah, I was like, they're doing three's company and one of them's actually gay. Yeah. <laughs> and Moira's cooking. R.I.P. John Ritter. Yeah. Oh. Moira's cooking for Luke, which is kind of like, bruh, learn to cook, honestly. I don't think it's that. I think he's just not eating. Oh. I think oh, he now looks, I feel bad. He looks thinner to me than he did in season one i don't know if i'm right but it's like it's very much like he seems like he's really caught up in like tracking the possibility of military intervention Mm -hmm. because here we hear him saying the british army is talking about invading you know it's just like 1775 and Mm -hmm. all these things and it just there's this bit of sort of like unhingedness like mm. behind his demeanor to me like mm. he's not he's not doing well i don't oh, think yeah. i feel like moira's kind of holding it together and luke is starting to kind of lose it oh my gosh that's a great read i don't know why i didn't pick up yeah. on that but of uh, course it's because you're deeply insensitive <laughs> get out of town <laughs> you know i'm kidding you're like the sweetest human being alive <laughs> you butthead i can't believe it <laughs> No, it was very funny. Obviously, I'm happy you said it. But how very dare you? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we don't... These are just little snapshots. And so the next scene, I believe, is back at the Boston Globe. And we see that June has started making a serial killer Zodiac board. So again, I'm very happy. I'm very happy that they have also watched many times and deeply loved Mm -hmm. David Fincher's Zodiac. But this is a line that I don't like because she's like... And I don't know 
that I like what she's doing here because it's like Ooh, I like she's it. like basically you remember you know back well you probably don't because like I was in high school I was a freshman in high school when like the internet happened oh, okay. on a broad scale so we all had to learn about boolean searches and like <laughs> we had to like learn about you know URLs and we had to learn all this new vocabulary and it feels like you know she's doing like a very manual like lexus nexus or like microfiche <laughs> situation mm-hmm. and she's like charting how gilead came to power mm-hmm. but i'm also like yeah didoy like of course like she's like oh it was there the whole time I'm like yeah of course it was in front of your face the whole time dum dum that's how this stuff happens well right but that look as somebody who actively doesn't follow the news I found this offensive because <laughs> well, it's like, oh, great. I mean, again, I know she's bored and has nothing to do, but I feel like she's also losing it because it's like, what are you what are you gaining? I don't think that's losing it. I think that's something that we all have to reckon with. Like I was talking about this Fosta Sesta stuff is the seeds of this kind of thing. And if we don't pay attention you know that same thing happens so right but what good does it do you post-mortem to just try to figure shit out how it got to be that way because she clearly wasn't paying attention they make this whole point that like her mom looked like a crazy person mm-hmm. because she was always saying like the government is out to get us and she's like mom so she's putting the pieces together for herself to see how it got that way mm-hmm. and it's an excellent narrative device but it's also like yeah it's important to see how these things started okay i don't know she I think- has a laptop why isn't she just using the internet because i don't think there is an internet <laughs> there might be i don't think no i don't think there's an internet <laughs> I think she puts that friend's DVD in the side, which is also funny because it presumes that people still have laptops. That was actually, that was the first thing that I thought. I was like, where the fuck did you find this fossil? (laughs) Anyway, so I don't particularly like this device. I love it and I think it's smart. And I also really hate the voice over here because she's like, I'm grasping at straws, but straws can be useful. One of the little pigs made a whole house out of them. I want to. I want to kick the writer of this episode square in the vagina for that line. Also, str- we need to stop using straws because they're very wasteful. Time. They're talking about hay straws. I'm talking about plastic straws. <laughs> Keep your BPA out of my serial killer. Board. Out of my STRA. Anyway, like, I'm like, I, I just don't know what that kind of. It sounds like the kind of voiceover that we heard in the first season where she's like, oh, no, I'm going out for cocktails. Yeah. You know, that whole like her being like snarky and sarcastic. But this just rings false to me. Okay, because like, I don't know, like also like grasping at straws. I meant to look up like what's the origin of that phrase? Because I never thought of that as being like straw that the little pig makes the house out of. Yeah. Also, yes, one of the little pigs did make a whole house out of straws, but it was blown down by a wolf so maybe think about that before you ham-fisted Spoiler. metaphors you're ham-fisted i got you. I got pigs you. <laughs> wow i That's wonder if wow. they were trying to like tie that in with the fact that she was in that truck with all those dead pigs oh in yeah the first episode yeah I don't, know. I don't know look i'm not here for it but <laughs> anyway those are my only like real complaints about this episode otherwise i really like it but the next scene is a flashback to june's mom taking her to a protest now in the book this protest is people burning pornographic magazines mm-hmm. and in the show it's women burning the names of their rapists which i think is a really smart change i agree on on the part of these writers because they realize it is problematic and 
Maggie Atts, like, didn't, I think, didn't get at the time that, like... Well, and that was going to be my point, because the idea that pornography isn't inherently bad is a third-wave feminist idea. And that's what was really weird Mm -hmm. about the 70s and 80s, and I think part of why the backlash gained so much traction, because you had these sort of strange bedfellows of, like, these, like, ardent feminists Mm -hmm. and evangelical Christians kind of being on the same side of like, oh, pornography is bad. But I ugly cried in this scene because she says there were so many pieces of paper. Yeah, I know. And just seeing baby June mouthing, because you don't, there's not much audio here, but like you just see, and I'm getting, because I love Cherry Jones so much. I love her. I love her. I love Mm her. And she's, you know, there, and she's clearly like this leader that everybody looks to. And you hear June, which is not a sentiment that she expresses in the book, that Mm. she loves seeing her mom this way, that she sees her mom, like it's still her mom, but there's this other person that she is in uh this, in this setting. And you see Cherry Jones and baby June mouthing, take back the night. Yes. And again, with this sort of updated timeline, that makes perfect sense. Sure. Because it's just updating it you know like 20 years from where it would have been Mm -hmm. and so it places her potentially i mean she seems like she's still probably from the second wave but she made a really good transition to being part of the third wave because we later hear her like bragging on moira i know so we'll get to that it's really interesting and nuanced and good job to the writers for updating this idea and again making it super timely (laughs) Uh, which is unfortunate because I think there's like, you know, it, men hurting women is always going to be timely, it's unfortunately. It's timeless. It's timeless, yeah. <laughs> Tale has hold his time. Men uh, are trash. <laughs> so the next scene is Nick and Offred hugging in the office, which is from the trailer. Mm-hmm. So it is confirmed that we were seeing Nick in that scene so he comes in because she is hanging out i think watching friends again and (laughs) no no, she's on her serial killer wall Uh, be watching friends it was chandler bing that was what happened like to gilead (laughs) could you be any more compliant with the patriarchy (laughs) but he comes in he's like you didn't wake me up and she says when i wake you up you leave i know but also here's my question here so he's just disappearing at all I hours. Know. How does nobody like because Serena Joy knows it's his baby? I know. So and I mean, the weird. commander, I think, knows or at least has to like, where else are you going to get sperms? I think we're going to see a reckoning coming. Soon yeah, but that. it's just but it's been two months. That's a long ass time to be like, hmm, how come this dude who's, you know, granted, kind of always been mysterious and comes and goes, but we think he's very loyal. Maybe it's time to re-examine that. Yeah. You know? It's I like, wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him. But so anyway, I'm just curious, like, if we'll, you know, if they're going to do anything interesting with time, because it's like two months is a really long time sure. for her to be gone. Oh, yeah. And this- I mean, obviously, we know we're going to see more of the Waterfords mm-hmm. based on the trailers. I cannot wait. So it's like our, like, you know, the scenes where, like, the commander's, like, in the woods, like, shooting some people and mm-hmm. things like that. And, you know, he's having this huge fight with Serena you know, is that happening while she's in hiding or is that? Yeah. Anyway, but. I, I can't wait. I cannot wait to see them. Oh, um, this is this is actually where I didn't miss being in a relationship because like <laughs> Alfred June, June, Alfred, Alfred, June does not compute. <laughs> like she's like she's like bitching to Nick about like, why am I still here? Like, when the hell am I leaving? Mm-hmm. And well, and he's like, you might be going soon. I don't know. 
and she's just like being like really huffy which is like understandable you know mm-hmm. she's again she's pregnant she's trapped in a horrible country that she's, she doesn't like she's rewatched friends 14 times yeah, and that she, show does not age well she's being reduced to doing an activity that i think is pointless yeah and you know she's all huffy and it's like he's right to us to an extent about just being like you got to just be patient and it's got to be fine like we don't know how this is gonna work out but it's just like ugh. it's yeah. just so much drama drama then we go back to canada and we have Moira, and we see Moira has, is, like, working at the, like, immigration office Yeah, or the refugee center. And she's helping this refugee man kind of get his welcome packet and get going. And he gives us a beautiful piece of world building where he says he was enlisted in the U.S. Army. And when Gilead took over, they converted all of the soldiers to be guardians for Gilead. And that was so interesting because they are slowly and artfully building this world Mm -hmm. answering questions we didn't even think to ask. We literally actually were just talking about that in the Mayday group, which is the official Hulu discussion page. Somebody was like, I'm curious about like the US Army and like (laughs) I had my theories and stuff, but then this literally was answered. So so it was great. The world building in this second season is it's so good. But what we also find out from this guy he says that as soon as that happened they started hanging gender traitors on the wall and one of them was a guy that he dated in college so just the layers of misery this person has to have gone through as somebody who signed up for the army which is already like a grueling and difficult thing Mm -hmm. then being converted to being a guardian Mm -hmm. for this government that works actively against Mm -hmm. his interests and having to like stay or remain closeted or go back into the closet and like fearing for your life constantly and then you know you finally get there and he's just he's clearly so upset so Moira's like hey here's where the trauma center is yeah go talk to those people like not in a dick way just like she's like hey like yeah we're prepared to like help you process this and i think it's a good foreshadowing of like you are fucked up when Uh you come to canada it's like yes it's wonderful that you're saved but also there's a lot of emotional trauma to wade through as Uh, we see later in the episode lest we forget gilead is within you (laughs) even in canada gilead is within you yeah absolutely it's the maple syrup of i guess the former united states truly so then we see truck dude is back truck dude rude truck dude <laughs> and he's, Arr, i'm here to pick you up Arr, we're taking it on the ice road <laughs> if you're well behaved i'll get you a handy from a drifter <laughs> that comes from the road trip kelly and i took and we were very tired when we were driving and i think we decided that truckers speak like pirates and also they're all ice road truckers and their favorite thing is getting handies from drifters <laughs> yeah and we did that bit so much that molly legit lost her voice I love my <laughs> from doing the ice road trucker for like 72 straight hours at the top of my lungs so if we a- had if we had been able to ask questions at the paley fest panel we would have said our bruce miller when you're out on the ice road <laughs> So that's a fun game to play if you ever see a truck. Imagine them speaking in that accent. Speaking of Bruce Miller, I will say this episode in particular, I was like, hmm, I feel like they've taken our note on the decade of the music. I did too. Yeah. But I also thought like, wait a minute, I didn't mean that. <laughs> I <laughs> we'll did. To it. We'll I didn't to it. know that I meant that, but I did. So, yeah, because he's like, uh, yeah, let's go. And I mean, she is like, I left some stuff upstairs. He's like, I'll clear it out. Just get in the truck. 
So she climbs back in. And this is where they also couch in the idea of delivery to and delivery of. So what? He said, he said, I'm not making a delivery to you. I'm not bringing you supplies. I'm delivering you. Oh, okay. Different. Got it. I was like, I don't know what you're talking so about. So just kind of like on the idea of like freedom to, freedom from, it's like deliver to, delivery of. Oh, this was interesting. So... They leave the building and even before they do the reveal of like pulling down the door where it says Boston Globe, they kind of linger on the loading dock a little bit for just a hair longer. And I wonder what is up with that. See if you guys clock that when you watch this. But there was I a did moment not clock when they, that. the camera stays there and Alfred has left. So I'm like, fuck, is there someone there that we're supposed to see? Because this whole time, because our copies are so dark, I'm always squinting I don't at the background. So. so I don't know. Just pay attention. If there um, was somebody, this is some bullshit third act of sunshine yeah. <laughs> thing, and I'm not here for it. Um, no one else lives there. It's Chandler. <laughs> we can agree. Chandler is the best. I love Chandler. Then, uh, <laughs> so did you like this next scene? I loved it so much. I wrote Immersion Blender because I love Immersion Blenders. I am the Johnny Appleseed of Immersion Blenders. Everywhere I go, I'm dropping Immersion Blenders. I'm telling people about them. I'm like, get you an Immersion Blender. Make some soup. Really? That's the part you lashed on to? Because I wrote, lol, Kelly, they're cooking for Mark Bittman. Uh, I also wrote that down. (laughs) But like my culinary hierarchy is Immersion Blender, America's Test Kitchen, Mark Bittman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but this is the scene where she is coming to her mom's house and her mom's She's such over. a fucking square. I love it. She's all dressed it's a nice. Flashback. And all of her mom's friends have like battle scars from like being at an abortion clinic, being escorts, and people were like throwing bottles and stuff. So her mom is actually an abortion doctor. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. That. Well, it's not from the book. I know, I know she's a doctor the in the book, but in the show, they've pretty clearly set her up to be an actual abortion doctor which is that's right it's such a dangerous profession that a lot of people when they go to medical school won't even learn about it wow because well because there is a highly militarized and radicalized right wing operation rescue Mm -hmm. and they kill dr george tiller they target abortion doctors to murder them because they're so pro-life it makes me very angry so she's like you know helping all of her friends with their cuts and stuff and june's like hey you're crazy bitches and her mom's like ah it's fine they were just throwing bottles (laughs) you know june's telling them like oh you know i'm here to pick up my immersion blender and i just got promoted to assistant editor and all of these like you know hippie mamas are like cool and then her mom so her mom's name is holly but i don't think she gets named in this episode i could be wrong but i don't think that she does Mm -hmm. but she's but she's but she's like oh moira's designing the website for that queer women's collective so like a what's really cool about moira she's a web designer that's Mm -hmm. fun but also it's kind of like this is the dynamic that we saw in the book where it's like moira and june's mom Mm -hmm. have a bit more in common Mm -hmm. than june and her mother Mm -hmm. and it's just like oh like come on just don't don't brag on your daughter's best friend i know when she is excited about this thing that's happening with her it's also just very funny that like june is actually very successful and she's like yeah but moira yeah well june's very successful but i mean it's just not a value system that her mom or any of her friends are invested in so then we move to june getting dropped off at what appears to be a freeway sign warehouse yeah it's where street signs go to die (laughs) exactly and uh uh-oh 
oh, very God. on the nose. They linger on the entering Salem sign. Because uh, witches. <laughs> get it? That's funny. Goody Alfred. <laughs> but that was funny. Then there's another dude there. And this is another piece of dialogue that I thought was so fucking clunky Ooh, I that it. I wanted to set myself on fire. Cause he's like, are you a good witch or a bad witch? And I'm like, you're not a friend of Dorothy. I thought that was funny though. I liked it. She's like, but she, I like her response though, which is like, depends who you ask. Yeah. Which is cool. But it's just <laughs> like, I like where we are. I didn't like how we got there. That's fair. Which is an apt metaphor for this <laughs> shed that houses so many signs. So he lays out for her a plan that he's going to take her to this airfield where this guy is chartering small planes to Canada. And so that's the plan. And they get all the way to the car and then something goes awry. Yeah. And we don't get what it is. And before they've gotten out there, he says something about people being brave or stupid or both, Mm. which is a theme we're going to keep kind of coming back to. But so they get up to his like, I think it's a van that he has. Mm -hmm. And he just says, oh, shit shit he's like the safe house isn't safe so the plan was she was supposed to go stay at the safe house right. he was gonna come get her and then take her back to the mm-hmm. airstrip and he's like i can't take you i'm sorry she stands in front of the truck and just keeps saying like please please oh and again God. the face acting oh, i know and she finally can like he breaks down and he's like okay get in and so she's in the back of his truck and they're driving to mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then he takes her somewhere. And I'm going to say the re- so far, it seems like the real villain in Gilead is the stairs. There's so many damn stairs everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's the East Coast thing. <laughs> but so many fucking stairs. And he takes her up a set of stairs into his apartment. And she thinks out loud in her mind. She goes, is this where the Econo people live? And mm-hmm. I raised the roof. I was like, I was Finally! so excited. And I think actually... Actually, I don't know that she even asked the question. I think she said it because there's like a logo mm-hmm. in the way because, you know, there's not really much in the way of text mm-hmm. in Gilead anymore because women are forbidden to read. Mm-hmm. So there was like this picture of a woman doing something domestic. Yeah. And then like they go in. The door is marked 23. And I don't know if that means apartment 23. I don't know if that mm-hmm. means it can't be the 23rd floor. The building wasn't that mm-hmm. high. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very exciting. Oh, it was exciting. So she goes into this house and. There is a little kid there, and I wrote, gravelly voiced kids are my fave. They are. Because <laughs> they just smoke a pack a day, and they're, they're like... They're just so... They have no business being gravelly voiced, and they life, are. Life is bullshit, man. <laughs> <laughs> Want to play with the fire truck? I love it. Well, the wife is super pissed. I would be too. I would be so angry. If I had children, there is no way I would be doing bullshit like this. I don't have children, and I wouldn't be doing bullshit like this. <laughs> I am a coward. Oh. <laughs> So he sneaks her into his house to hide her, and his wife is mad. Kid is very adorable, wants to play with her, and it's fucked up. Well, because the wife is very, like, anti-handmaid. The judgy Econo wife is so juicy, and I totally agree with her. Well, because it's like, she's like, oh, you were a handmaid, and it's like, it's this weird thing, because it's like, the handmaids are, like, technically, they have more status than the Econo wives, Mm -hmm. but also they get raped all the time. Yeah. And it looks like Econo people have it. I know. The, you know, they get to keep their partners. They get to keep their children. That's what I wrote. I wrote being an Econo person looks great. Yeah. I don't see what the that downside. apartment is pretty nice. It's bigger than my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> 
But I don't see so far what the downside is, except for maybe you don't get to work in the field you are working in. Maybe, but you get to take the bus kind of willy nilly. Well, but it does seem like there's a lot of infighting and backbiting because yeah. they do say uh-huh. like people here listen to everything. And even right. the kid is like, yeah, they really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. But it just didn't seem that bad to me. Well, uh, but I mean, you know, we may we may see more from Econo people right. in upcoming episodes. We don't know. But this was great. I um, love this so much. And, yeah. and just the fact that like, the Kano wife is so judgy towards her in regards to giving her baby up. And she's uh-huh. like, I really did not have a choice. Yeah. I'm sorry that you feel that way, but you don't, you actually don't know what you would do. You don't know my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, let's take a brief pause here as the Econo people are going to church. The guy, did you catch the adult man's name? Because I know the little boy is named Adam. Maddox. Maddox, Adam. And then did you catch his wife's name? Uh, no, let's call her Shirley. Oh, I was going to call her bitchy McBitch bitch. Oh, <laughs> well, is that not what Shirley means? Kind of. Okay. They're going to be back by 2 p.m. So I'm sure everything will be fine. Uh, guess who ain't back? Well, and it's, I mean, that's th- a couple that there's a scene in between that. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, sorry, but they're not back. That's a good. They're still not back. <laughs> also, here's another reason why being an Econo person sounds great. You only have to work until 2 p.m. It's- no, they're going to church. It's oh, Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then that doesn't sound that good. But. No. Well, and yeah, because I'm like, what time is it now? How long is your <laughs> church? Well, and Alfred asks him before they leave. She's like, oh, you go to church? He's like, we make a public show. Nah, which is interesting. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, okay. So the next scene is Mrs. Not Osborne. Yeah, Mrs. Osborne. Yeah. Well, Mi- probably- Miss Osborne. Ms. Ms. Osborne. Actually, Dr. Osborne. Dr. Osborne in her cups talking about her past with June. And this is interesting because this is a point that gets brought up in the book is like some of Cherry Jones's friends like bullied her because she chose to stay pregnant Uh instead of get an abortion. They were like, you could DIY it, girl. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be like that scene in Master and Commander, except for she's doing her own. Or that scene in Prometheus. (laughs) (laughs) She's doing her own abortion. Um, no, but she and she makes a point. She's like, you were very, very wanted. You were wanted. But this is, is also like one of those conversations where it's like, oh, nobody asked for this. I know. Like, well, June even says she goes, you know, I'm not your justification for existence, which she says after mm-hmm. basically her mom is drunk and just going on about like, I sacrificed so much for you and I can't believe you're, you have this job. And then she says, I don't think you should marry Luke. And June is just like, okay. And like her mom can't believe that she's in this job where she just, you know, spell checks other people's work. Mm -hmm. And June's just like, I like it. I like my life. And Cherry Jones is like, this whole country is going to hell in a handbasket and you're playing house. Now, hindsight being 2020, Mm -hmm. serial killer boards being what they are, (laughs) she was right to a degree. But at the same time, it's like, we don't get to choose what our children do with the lives that we give them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Perhaps one day I'll be self-actualized to say that to my own parents. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. Uh, my family's like the most waspy Catholics of all time. <laughs> so this is interesting because it fades. The shot goes to a shot of, oh, oh, she says, I I just don't know why you would take all of your energy and your passion and give it to a man. 
And that's something I think about all the time. Well, and I wonder about her mom. Well, because yeah. we know that June's dad had a presence in her life, right? Do we know that? Well, she said that the church they were tearing down in season one was her dad's parish. Oh, I didn't know that. And he's the one that I assume she got the souls of the faithful departed prayer from in the previous episode. Oh, yeah. Because you know Cherry Jones is an atheist. Right. Or, you know, one of those second wave, you know, moon goddess people who <laughs> basically murdered Shulamith Firestone. But we don't have time to get into that Whoa. right now. Murder is a strong word. But, you know, it's weird, though, because that I think that's when June says, I'm, you know, I'm not your justification for being. But it's mm-hmm. also like, guess what? Honestly, June doesn't have that much passion or energy. That's what I was saying. It's she's like, basic as fuck. It seems like she's different than Emily in that I don't get the sense that she's like, I, I get the sense that she's good at her job, but I don't get the sense that she's like really passionate passionate about what she does the kind of person that you know i'm i'm kind of team cherry jones in the sense where i'm like yeah like i'm at a point in my life where i'm like giving up on my dreams and settling yeah but like there are people who just do that from jump that's not cherry jones's outlook though what do you mean well her her no i'm not saying that i have that in common with her but i'm just saying june is just this kind of person that exists yeah i don't know why i was talking about being team cherry jones in that regard but like (laughs) i don't remember why i said what i said well, that's uh, okay. We can move on. I'll fix it in post. But anyway, <laughs> but my point is, like, not everybody has a fire in their belly. Yeah, and that's okay. And not everybody should have to. Well, and that is the point of America uh, up until, like, right about now. <laughs> <laughs> we get Offred being in the Akano people's apartment. Very nosy. She's very nosy. And honestly, I think she's being too loud. I think she's being too loud. They too. told her to be quiet. She's drumming her hands on the table. I know, I she's playing she- with these marbles. And I'm like, bitch, why do you suck? at hiding like Anne Frank is rolling over in her grave right now you're being absurd Harriet Tubman is setting you on fire from beyond the grave so loud just lie on the couch and think about stuff yeah don't be walking around shut the fuck up and so finally we find out you see her playing like drums yeah (laughs) just doing a quick we finally find out that it's 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. and that family is not back and there's no way of knowing where they are or what happened and, uh, and so, someone knocks at the door. Somebody knocks at the door. This is that's like right after they oh, leave, right. and she's crawled under their bed, and she finds they have a Quran and uh-huh. a prayer mat, and like she stashed gets under all the bed. Up on it, she doesn't get on. I thought she was gonna pray on it, and I was gonna be like, "This show is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You can't just let this bitch pray on this mat." Yeah. But she just she like lays it out and just looks at it. So I'm like, Which okay, is fine, but also like very nosy. Yeah, but That's anyway, like the first rule of being in somebody's house when they're not there. Yeah, is look don't at their take books. out, don't take out their prayer mat. Yeah, <laughs> take some of their pills. Do something benign, but don't <laughs> touch their religious artifacts. She is just waiting and waiting and waiting there. And then I wrote, oh, she does have a flashback to Hannah. Like throughout this whole mm-hmm. thing, she's flashing back to Hannah, but she's looking out the fucking window. I know. Stop it. Stop. It just makes me so fucking angry. Me too. Because it's like, you know what? I'd like to think that if I was in this position, Mm -hmm. I would just sit in a corner where there were no visible sight lines and just shut the fuck up. Listen, when my brother and I were little and we would be left in the car while my parents would go shopping, Mm -hmm. I invented this game where we took apart the parking trident, you know, that you put on your, your steering wheel. Oh, yeah. We took it apart so it was in two parts and I made my brother hold one part and me hold the other part and we crouched behind the front seats so that just in case someone broke into our car, we could bash them and kill them. And so I am already better at hiding than... 
with uh, no immediate danger yeah. than she is when the entire world is looking for her. Because the guardians can see in the windows. Not to mention that, the door is like not really locked. Yeah. So anyone could come in at any time. Bitch, hide. Like, what are you doing? But then I wrote, action off red rides again (laughs) because she decides to stop waiting and she puts on the econo wife outfit before that happens is our flashback to the red center here we go oh this was rough so they're in the red center and this is way back when because moira's still there so we haven't seen this period of time at the red center in a while Mm -hmm. this is straight out the book Mm -hmm. and Mm. it makes me wonder if we're only going to see cherry jones in this episode i was wondering that because seeing how marissa tomei was only in one episode i'm like oh i mean you know cherry jones ain't cheap it did kind of serve its purpose yeah and i mean really they covered all of the stuff with her mom from the books yeah i wouldn't be surprised if we saw her a little bit more just because we do know we're going to get some information about June and Luke's affair and just sort of like, how did that look Mm -hmm. in their circles? And I hope, I would hope that we get to see Luke and Holly interacting because we know they have kind of a contentious relationship in the Mm -hmm. book. They're showing slides of women in the past. And then there's a slide of a woman in the colonies and it is Holly and Moira and June see it. And the face acting is primo. And then we cut destroy me. Yeah. So we cut to them at night and the only, the only thing that I think makes, I totally support making that rally a type of the night rally, but I think what was interesting to me in the books is that they showed that in the books alongside like pornographic images and they are showing them pornography here, but it was that juxtaposition of like they were destroying pornography and then it's like this society that's like, yeah, we absolutely destroyed pornography. Also though, you like, yeah, we're going to throw you under the bus. That wasn't, but anyway, but so then we cut to Moira and June at night, you know, whispering between beds and Mm -hmm. I didn't get, it was so quiet. I didn't get a lot of what they said. Yeah, I don't remember. But yeah. it was like, it was to the effect of like, your mom is a fighter. She'll survive. Yeah. But yeah, so again, who yeah. like who, who gets out of the colonies? Totally. Um, it's like that hole in, in Batman that Bane came out of. Exactly. <laughs> it's 100% exactly like that. Um, so she puts on the Kano wife outfit and gtfos man also i am so here for the econo wife outfits because i love gray well they basically look like kanye west's spring collection (laughs) (laughs) a lot of like neutral colors and ill-fitting stuff yeah yeah yeah. but i like them they're cute this is the yeezus Um, of gilead Uh, the part that I was excited was I said, oh, my God, Econo Uggs. They're all wearing Ugg <laughs> they boots. They are wearing Ugg boots. Which, again, sh- tell me why it's bad to be an Econo person, please, because this looks amazing. Her armoire? Yes. Oh, honestly, I hope they just, like, had to, like, go out to Frisch's after church. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I hope that they're fine. I hope they're it's fine, too. It's not their fault. Yeah. But this stressed me out so much because, okay, again, what with June sucking ass at hiding oh my god so i saw her when she put on they all have like this woolen hat that they wear oh they don't have bonnets so she put it on and we saw her kind of tuck her hair in and then by the time she's outside all of her extremely noticeable blonde hair is falling out of this hat and i'm like you already look sloppy as fuck i said the exact same thing. like don't look so sloppy and i know that she's in a high stress situation but it's like you have got to think about this kind of minutia. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, we see we're in hat. Well, but her. I don't even think that it was her. We'll get there. Uh-huh. We'll get there. So 
she's she has an interior monologue where she says raise your daughter to be feminist and she spends all her time waiting to be rescued by men well you're like you're jumping ahead here because that's when she's crouching in the airfield pardon me this whole sequence is the most stressed out i think i've ever been on this show Oh, her taking the the train. Yeah, so she she walks Oof. and just follows all these other econo people, and I'm just like, Jesus fucking god, don't let any of these people talk to her. Oh. But like, she gets to the platform and she says, "Blessed day," uh-huh. or under his eye, or whatever. However, they start it, mm-hmm. and praised be. I don't. Yeah. I'm like, how did that walk? How does that everything work? But so she gets on the train. And again, I feel like she like looks at the guardians on the train like for too long. I know. But she sits down and like you can see her like kind of like looking at the map and they get to like the last stop mm-hmm. and she gets off the train and she starts like following people down this path and then she sees this guardian kind of go and when she thinks that she's out of his like sightline just runs into the woods and then somehow recognizes these woods as the same woods she ran through with i Hannah. don't think that's true okay well because those woods were farther north in maine well she's flashing back a lot yeah well so. yeah anytime i'm in the woods i flash back to that scene <laughs> <laughs> but she also i thought was interesting she had a smudge of dirt on her forehead well, she had caca on her forehead um but i'm wondering if that's kind of like a third eye or like ash wednesday thing because oh. well because we saw her find that quran we heard her in the previous episode i'm curious how much sort of like what we would consider to be normal religious expressions how do they manifest in this second season wait you're wondering if she did that as a thing no i'm wondering if the production team did that on purpose and had because ash wednesday is no i'm aware yeah but sorry are you saying on purpose as like a symbolism to, towards yeah. that or she walked through an ash wednesday thing no okay. that it's a symbolism thing. okay I there's no confused. catholic masses anymore i was confused because it just looked <laughs> they like, ripped down all the yeah. churches it was upsetting like wipe the caca off your face I don't uh, care if it's she symbolism. couldn't even put her hair up in a woolen hat <laughs> we're giving her way too much credit <laughs> well and it's like when we saw her before she used to know how to do things yeah then we flash back to canada where it's a club and moira is picked up by this lady well i think moira picks up moira the lady. picks up the lady caitlin and they fuck in the bathroom <sighs> bathroom sex the best sex <laughs> but here's my problem when the fuck is samira wiley gonna have reciprocal sex with a woman on tv yeah because that was the whole thing in orange is the new black is like nobody ever wanted to eat her pussy yeah and she you know finger blasts caitlin but good mm-hmm. and then caitlin is like moving to like reciprocate she's like no no, no i'm good well, I and think she gives a fake name, which is her name from Jezebel's, which I is Ruby. That. Yeah. Oh, good. Good eye. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. I totally didn't get that at all. I also think it's interesting that her name was Ruby again with like the red thing, Ooh, you know, I red like, socks, like red that. Ruby, red handmaid's dress. I love it. Red rum. Red Scott, who will never be on this <laughs> podcast. Um, and so I think we're just seeing a little bit of the trauma that she still carries. And honestly, I think it would be hard to going back to have like a normal sex life if you've been a sex slave two ways over. Yeah. Sort yeah. of in this dystopian world, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and this is a nice parallel to what we saw in the previous episode where we saw Offred mm-hmm. like taking mm-hmm. this more mm-hmm. aggressive role mm-hmm. with Nick. Moira's like, I'm going to control the penetrative aspect of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm not ready to be reciprocated yeah. on. Yeah, I agree. So she comes into her house <laughs> and by way of greeting... This, I just titled this roommate hijinks. Totally. <laughs> by way of greeting to... Sh- she says, hey, go fuck yourself, <laughs> which I think is very funny. 
And then it's kind of like quiet and she says the first words I believe we've ever heard her utter, which is blessed be the Fruit Loops. Because she's, she's eating, eating Fruit Loops and she's got Tylenol sprinkled on top. So it's a Fruit Loops Tylenol partnership. And everybody understandably cracks up and she's like, really? That's what you were waiting for to yeah, speak yeah, yeah. this pun? Although I think that she has spoken to them before because so neither of them were as surprised as I was. <laughs> I think it's just that she speaks very infrequently. Yeah. And then this is probably the first time she's ever spoken in jest she's doing like a whole andy kaufman thing i love it I'm into it. it's just her tony clifton character exactly and then they are flashing back to was there a baby in this scene what are you talking about is there ba- do they flash back to a baby or something why what do you i, 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 wrote I, I literally a, have no idea what you're talking about i wrote about a note all. that says hi poo poo which is what i say when i see a baby so i, I there must have been a baby i have no someone. fucking clue because the next scene that i have is okay. the airstrip so Okay, disregard. I genuinely have... Who would even have a baby? I don't know. Because they don't have a baby in that apartment. Hard pass. Disregard. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we don't know what that was about. (laughs) (laughs) At what point do we get the part where she's in the car with her mom it's when she's already on the plane so she she's, makes it to the to the she's, airstrip she's been at the airstrip since about sunset and she knows the plane is supposed to take off around now, d- like when it's dark did out. you find this weird because like he makes very vague mention of an airstrip and she's like oh let me just find it on a map and Bitch, walk how there. did she get there she has a map which she was holding not as con- like inconspicuously as she should have oh been my god but also like why are you looking at it on the train like yes. you know where the train ends yes it's where the sidewalk ends <laughs> plane lands and she runs up to the plane and the guy's got a gun and he's like don't come any further and she's like i'm the handmaid and like anyway i'm like is there not a password like shouldn't there come be on. some kind anyway whatever fidelio but so something. she shows him where she ripped out her tracker and he's like yeah okay fine then this other asshole comes in and i blame him for everything that happens after this me too but i'm also wondering like do people just show up every day for this dude i wonder you know i wonder but so this guy comes and he's like oh i i used to drive for commander did you write down which commander <laughs> nope i didn't either but also do all the drivers just look like nick because this guy looks so yep. much like nick they're I know um, they all dress alike, but anyway, and this guy gets way less of a fucking... I know, like, what did you... All right, uh, let me see your driving hand. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, so he's like, okay, everybody get in. He's like, okay, it's going to be cold. And like at this point, I'm like, oh, no, it's going to be as cold as that pig truck. (laughs) But, you know, my battle's unclenched a little bit here, you know? I know. The the plane starts and it's rolling along. And then Jane... Jane. Jane. (laughs) Because it's Jane. (laughs) It's not Jane. It's June. She is thinking about her mom and oh. she's thinking about Hannah. And well, that's I mean, probably where I wrote the baby. Thing. Oh, because she was remembering Hannah in her little pink outfit. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> now it's all coming together. It's like memento, but much more confusing. Yeah, yeah. And she's just like, yeah, like I wish that I could like tell my mom I forgive her and ask her to forgive me and I just cried. like all this stuff. I don't think I cried. I, I did cry when, they're in the car together because then so now they're she's flashing back to them taking a gal's trip in the car and i was like all emotional but then this is what made me emotional because they're listening to hollaback girl by gwen stefani and cherry jones is like doing the you know she's barefoot and she's got her foot up on the dash and she's singing i ain't no hollaback girl i ain't no hollaback girl and like june is kind of rolling her eyes but then she does sing along to that's my shit 
that's my shit. Well, and she also sings along to the line that is most appropriate to this show because that shit is bananas. <laughs> it is really bananas. Uh, you know, way back then when Gwen Stefani was going through that very problematic period of her career. Mm. And uh, such a good album. Though. Yeah. Nobody could have even imagined how problematic Gilead would be. <laughs> I'm listen, and I'm not saying that Gwen Stefani dating Blake Shelton means that Gilead is coming, but <laughs> I'm not approving of it. She ain't no hollaback wife. So that was a funny moment because I was like, guys, I said to use more contemporary songs. This is not what I meant. That is exactly what I meant. I will die if they're like also listening to like Fergalicious. <laughs> No, I don't think so. But I texted you. Dumber, weirder. So these are the things that I texted Molly about while I was watching this. So this was like way, way back when Maddox Mm -hmm. was talking to June. He's like something blah, 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 brave and stupid. And I was like, Molly, (laughs) if June does something brave or stupid and misses that fucking plane, I'm going to lose my mind. Didn't I send you the emoji that looks like this? Uh, Yeah, it's the grimacing one. (laughs) Anyway, but like I just like I texted you that and then I didn't look until the end of the episode because I was like, I don't want to know anything. And then. I was like, I never thought that the song Hollaback Girl would make me cry. But here we are. And it's just like, I don't know. It's so funny because I I enjoy this dynamic where it's like the mom is the one that's kind of like loose. Yeah, she totally is. And rebellious. And the daughter is more like, can you just get your feet off the dashboard, please? Yeah, But, But, you know, yeah, and they came, you know, they had a certain mutual respect. And there is this beautiful element that like her mom would be proud of how Offred has reacted recently. Like her mom would be so proud of Action Offred. But this is like Action Offred's last stand for a bit. Oh, my God because okay i i i mentally i mentally had started being like oh my god she's gonna get to little america she's gonna see luke and moira and like what about nick put the cart before the horse always because (sighs) it's gilead what happens mall the next line i wrote was all caps because the shooting starts and they shoot and i'm like ah i'm like do they not know she's pregnant no, like, I, I don't know she's there. Yeah, well, I, I they know somebody's there. Oh my God. Like, why else stop this guy? I was like, and you know what? I was in such denial the whole time. I was like, okay, okay. They're, they're going to fly in the air, though. They're going to... Oh, no. fuck. So they shoot the shit out of the plane. Nobody improbably is wounded. They haul oh, the no, pilot yes. out, and then they shoot him. Like, just bam. The guy in the back is wounded. Is he wounded? He sh- they shoot him through the chest. Oh, when he's in the plane? Yeah. I missed that. But like, because they, they drag him out and then they shoot him. But then they're dragging her out and she's clinging <sighs> to that like seatbelt net that's in airplanes. And there was, again, I'm in such <sighs> denial. There was two seconds when she's climbing over the cockpit. I'm like, fly, Joan. Fly, June. Fly. Come on, baby. Come on. Go, 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 go. And then it's just like, no. Oh, my God. It was so troubling oh my fucking god i don't know what to expect i don't either and like i i sobbed i'm so this again this show is just like uh uh did you think a good thing was gonna happen you aren't oh my god it's horrible uh so this is a major turning point i wonder if the next episode begins with her being right back where she started i have a feeling not I have a feeling there's some kind of horrible torture or some shit about to go down. I don't know what you can't really torture a pregnant woman. I mean, I wonder if she's going to wind up in a basement. 
you know, in, that's you know, the American thing. Horror Story Gilead. Ooh, that's the thing. Like when you're pregnant, you can't eat sushi. <laughs> you can't horseback ride. You can't get tortured. Like oh, so many restrictions. <laughs> Soft cheeses. You know, you have one cup of coffee. Oh, it's ridiculous. Anyway, that's the end of this episode. And aptly, the credits are over complete silence mm-hmm. because I know- couldn't have handled anything. Like, Thanks I couldn't lot. have handled, like, an instrumental, like, strings version of Hollaback Girl. <laughs> I mean, I can handle that in my regular life, but not... Or, like, a children's this. choir, a la the beginning of You Can't Always Get What You Want. That would be so funny if they're like, oh, A few times I've been around that track. <laughs> but not I, just gonna happen like, like that. that. I ain't no Hollaback Girl. <laughs> ain't no Hollaback Girl. Oh. That shit is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. <laughs> so big ups to Dorothy Fortenberry for writing this horrifying episode. Except and- for those lines that I really hated, Dorothy. <laughs> like just because your name's Dorothy doesn't mean you can put this corny ass shit in here. <laughs> I didn't mind it, Dorothy. You um, ain't no Dorothy Parker. You ain't no Dorothy Parker. Anyway, we'll be back again to see what unfolds in Gilead. Oh, follow Kelly on Twitter at Kelly Anakin. Follow Molly on Twitter at Serious Molly and No Lite Tabastardes Carbondorum Dum 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 Dum